morning, welcome back to IMG Advisor, the podcast. Um, today's topic is all, it's actually quite an interesting one um, today. Is it? Yeah, from my perspective at least. Not like all the other ones. No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's better. Uh, episode four, series three. Um, so the, today's topic is all about what should I expect on my first day, week, month of upon joining the NHS. I'm joined by my trusty partner in crime, Thomas Calvo, once Hello. again. Sidekick. Sidekick, yes. Um, so the, uh, well, it, uh, where do we start with this, Tom? I guess it's really... Um, let's start uh, Let's start from the start. Start from the start. Yeah. It's a good place. Start Start date. Start date. Start date. Do you want to start us off? I Okay, I'll do it. I'll take, I'll take the mantle. Sorry to interrupt you. Start date. Yeah, I, the, <laughs> for, the first thing that you're going to want to do in terms of setting expectations... And to allow you to to work all the other bits around being ready to start your job is get a start date. If you haven't thought about that, this is this is the point in time that people are going to start asking for dates so they can start booking mm. things in. You should already have booked your or be booking your um, visa appointment, mm-hmm. and so then you can book your flights. And once you've booked your flights and we know your arrival date, then you can start speaking to your HR department or your recruiter uh, about what you need to do in order to be ready to start work. A lot of people think they're just going to fly in, go to the hospital and and get rolling with working and seeing patients and that is just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. You're probably looking at a week, maybe two weeks to get yourself set up to actually start seeing people. Um, Part of that is uh, clinical. So you'll need to get cleared by an occupational health team. You'll need to see your HR department. This is where you would sign the hard copy of your contract Mm -hmm. um, once you've arrived. Um, And then personally as well, I mean, presumably you want to be paid. And so you're going to need to open a bank account. You're going to need to find somewhere long-term to live. Uh, and you're going to need to get yourself comfortable and, and familiar with the area. So the start date is the trigger to start working all of those different pieces out. So make sure that your paperwork is all in order. Mm-hmm. All the documents that the trust have requested from you. Um, again, I suppose, you know, we would we would help with that. <laughs> yeah. if you were. Uh, I think the important thing, obviously, uh, from your kind of start date perspective um you want you're gonna need your original copies of um your um your pmq your plab or gmc certificate immunization records etc um you want to probably have your blp well you definitely want to have your blp and your passport as well mm-hmm. yeah the, the brps can be delayed sometimes so don't panic if that's the case um it's actually not illegal to work without your brp but it is at the discretion of the yeah, hospital so they they will want to see the brp when you arrive but if for any reason the home office has got a delay on it or it hasn't mm-hmm. arrived at your local post office for collection yet if you explain that situation to the trust or we would we yeah. would do that on your behalf and um, then they can make a risk assessment as to whether or not they they want to let you start work but absolutely uh, the other big thing which you will be asked to, to um at least start the process with is obviously getting your um crb in in process as well yes yeah you definitely will um so yeah bring in all of your documents your passport is a really important one um you, you want to make sure that hr are happy that they've got everything that they need they'll probably start to give you you know um, it logins and before you arrive we would have booked you or you should have booked yourself an appointment with occupational health mm-hmm. um, because a lot of your immunizations presumably will have been done overseas um, and therefore they'll need to be done again by the trusts 
yeah. for each team. And, and I think the uh, a really good point on that is that occupational health appointments get booked up really, really quickly. Yeah. And that can cause a considerable delay to your start date because you will not be able to get cleared uh, without going to the occupational health department to start work. Um, so always good to, to prepare. Usually, uh, uh, well, in most cases with international recruitment, there is quite a, a, a good lead time before starting. So uh, my advice would be once you fix that date uh, that you are going to start, get in contact with the occupational health department and just see what appointments they have. They usually will send over an occupational health pre-screen form. Just fill it out, send it back to them. Um, and then you should just appear for your, your occupational health appointment. And hopefully you will get cleared pretty quickly. Yeah. So... I guess this is all the stuff that you would do before you even get on the plane. Uh, you know, you need to make sure these appointments are booked, have all your documents ready. The the other main thing, and Ryan and I were talking about this earlier because we hear a lot of um, horror stories from people who, who arrive without the proper preparation, mm-hmm. is that sometimes people will get on a plane and they haven't actually booked somewhere to live yet or stay at least when they arrive. And that, for me, is, a, is obviously a major red flag. If I'm sure... You know, you've got enough going on with moving to a new country and changing jobs without realising actually when you arrive, you don't have anywhere to stay. So Mm. as soon as you have gotten to the the sort of mindset of booking those OH appointments, getting all the documents ready that you're going to need to bring on your first day and you've booked your flights, you know when you're going to arrive and that's going to trigger a conversation about accommodation. Yeah, and just a couple of things to bear in mind with accommodation. If you're travelling your own, the likelihood of getting hospital accommodation for yourself is pretty high. If you're bringing your family over at the same time, getting married accommodation, hospital accommodation, it's nigh on impossible. Uh, that If there are any um, accommodation blocks that will cater for um, family accommodation, the waiting list is going to be months um, at least. Uh, so, so be prepared for that. The UK isn't like other co- uh, countries where um, the hospitals are built in big compounds. Um, it, most people, as we touched on in an earlier podcast, will be commuting to the hospital from somewhere, um, sort of somewhere surrounding. Uh, so again, if you're unsure where to start about getting private accommodation or accommodation for family, ask your recruiter, ask the HR department at the hospital. Again, part of our service at BDI Resources, we will sort these things out for you. But if you're going on your own um, via NHS jobs, for example, uh, it is a major consideration to think about. Um, mm. But again, if if it's done in time, it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, you can look, mm. usually we'll be looking at when you arrive. So the rules in the UK are that letting agents won't be able to I when I say letting agents, estate agents, where you're going to be renting um, accommodation for, you know, six to 12 months at a time, um, they won't allow you to to reserve a place mm-hmm. or take a take a place until you've been to see it in person. Yeah. So your accommodation when you initially arrive is likely to be, you know, if you're on your own hospital accommodation, um, if you're not, or in some cases where you can't get that, it's probably going to be a hotel or an Airbnb or, or something for maybe the first week, possibly two weeks. And that will allow you time to, to get in touch and we, we yeah. will facilitate the people that, um, you know, that we work with help yeah. with that to get in touch with those people and show you around local properties and, and get something arranged for yeah. the time. Um, the, the kind of the, la- the well, the, the other two appointments that you really need to book, you're going to need to book your appointment with the HR department um, and also you're going to have to book your trust induction as well. Yes. Some trusts run the induction only once a month 
Um, so again, that's that's a point that you might a consideration certainly for in terms of coinciding with the start date that you might want to speak to your HR department, find out when their actual trust inductions are running, uh, and try and coincide it with that. Uh, the HR department's uh, appointment is is pretty straightforward. Again, you you, you but um, just be aware that it may be a certain time of year when the HR department is extremely busy, for example, when during the junior doctor rotations, it may not be quite as easy to get an appointment to go in and see them. Um, but again, these are the, the kind of key appointments you need to uh, need to make prior to arrival in the UK. Yeah, I mean, we, we would, before anyone flies, again, you're, if you're working with us, your recruiter would be telling you what to expect by of dress code. So what do you have to wear? Are they going to provide you with scrubs, for example? Do you need to pay additional cost for those? Um, what what times do you need to be in certain places and what to expect? Mm. Our, our expectation is that for the recruiters at BDR Resourcing, um, and if you're not working with us or anyone else, you, you should be checking this yourself, is send a, a, a comprehensive sort of timetable of for your first week, where do you need to go, where are your appointments? Because in amongst the occupational health appointment and the HR appointment and the trust induction, you're going to want to get a letter from HR so that you can um, get that accommodation sorted out. You'll need to take time to see different places to live. And then once you've organised that and you have a what's called like a tenancy agreement or a contract to live somewhere, that's when you can go to the bank and set up your bank account. And presumably you're going to want to get paid mm. for doing the job yeah. <laughs> at, at some stage. Um, so you're going to want to get that set up pretty quickly. Um, I mean, most banks, if you make an appointment again with the bank, they can have you with a bank account in you know a week, five, five days to, to two weeks is a general rule of thumb, um, and then you can give those details to the to the hospital so they know where to where to send your money. Um, so I mean that that kind of covers off the things to think about before you actually start. My last note on that, and again, it's just because I've seen some or heard some horrible stories from people is when you when you are looking for your accommodation or you're coming to take a six month agreement or 12 month agreement with a, a flat or a house or whatever it might be, please bear in mind that you will need money in your account to pay a deposit. Mm. Um, some people have the, the minimum visa money that you need in your account, the, the 900 or so pounds, and they think that that will be enough. Um, the chances are won't. Mm. you should be prepared to, to bring some yeah. money with you. Uh, I know that some NHS trusts do this. Um, they can advance you your first uh, month's wages mm. or, or certainly a part of it as well, which can be really, really useful because yeah. there are going to be significant outlays in your first couple of weeks in the UK. That's for sure. Yeah, but don't assume that. Make sure that if, you, if, if that is something that's mm. going to happen, it will be as part of your relocation package and so it should be agreed in advance. So mm. know, basically know what where you're going and what you're doing before you get on the plane. Um, you should get furnished with that information, but if you don't have it, ask for it definitely from from HR or your recruiter or whoever else might be yeah might be helping you. Um, so I guess in terms of you've now relocated to the UK, you're in your accommodation, you've uh, you're you're ready to kind of set foot in the hospital setting if you like. Um, what's that week going to look like? Well, first week, obviously, if you've booked in with your trust induction, um, that's that's going to be a really good orientation around the hospital, or it should be at least. Um, my advice in this as well um, is try and get down to meet 
uh, the department prior to the induction. Mm. I think it's quite a nice way to, uh, and most NHS departments are, are very welcoming for IMGs. So um, try and pop down, meet, try and meet your team, your colleagues you've got to be working with prior to induction. Um, I've heard lots of really nice stories where um, the, the doctors will take the doctors out for meals, for example, prior to starting. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the trust induction should, it's kind of, well, it's got to cover a lot of boring aspects, I guess. Um, obviously, giving a tour of the hospital, a tour of the department, orientation, um, things like IT, uh, passwords. Um, Manual which, handling. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of regulations in the NHS and in the UK. Um, it will be local protocols, that type of thing as well. Um, but again, it should be a good experience because again, you don't want to be thrown at the deep end. You get to know like, what the kind of uh, procedures are for the department, etc., as well prior to starting. Um, some trusts have better inductions than others. Um, I, I know I mentioned this in the kind of previous podcast, but because of the prevalence of international doctors now coming over to certain NHS hospitals. Um, they are putting together some really, really fantastic inductions aimed specifically at, at IMGs. Um, whereas in the past, it might have just been a, a kind of more generalised induction. Um, here's here's your uh, IT passports, etc., cetera, et cetera, which would be probably the same for any doctor that's joining, even yeah. from a, another NHS trust. But because um, obviously they, they are recognising now that it's it's really important to get IMGs off to a really good start. They know that if you're happy from the start, you're more likely to, st- to stay. So it's really high up a lot of the NHS trust agendas at the moment to make sure that onboarding is really good. Yeah, and don't, if you're not happy with it, don't be afraid to say so. Um, so if you don't feel comfortable that you're you're ready or that you because initially you're going to be on a reduced rota so in terms of your first month or three months whatever it might be and again you know this should be pre-agreed or you should be aware of this in advance is that you'll probably be on a reduced rota so you won't be thrown into if you were going on say example a, a middle grade a and e rota you probably won't do any night shifts mm. um certainly not by yourself um you're not going to be doing a full workload you'll, you'll probably be buddied up with with somebody in the in the department that you're working within mm-hmm. but you'll be working a reduced schedule you'll have an introduction hopefully from a, a clinical supervisor and an educational supervisor yeah. and only once they are happy um will they let you onto a you know for example a tier two rota but that cuts both ways if you don't feel comfortable yet to move on say so they're not gonna they're not gonna be angry about that it's not gonna impact your you know your career at the trust they will be just as concerned as you are but making sure that you're comfortable and safe in, in what you're doing as i think i've probably mentioned a million times mm-hmm. before in a million other podcasts and blogs the nhs is very risk averse they are they, they are not and shouldn't let you um you know get get to work independently or in a, in a senior position until both they and you are happy so bear that in mind that if you're not happy at any point go to your, your lead consultant or your supervisor or your service manager and, and let them know that, you look, maybe I need another week or another month or these mm. are the things that I'm not happy with or, you know, just just be honest about it. I think if you if you want to communicate that to your recruitment consultant because you're not comfortable doing yeah. that, then that's something that we can take care of. It's not uncommon. Um, but just, just be honest about where you are. They'll want to help you. I think that's it. I, I think that resolving issues right at the start really early is, is going to be really important to kind of future success within the trust um, I, I, I'm not sure if people are sometimes embarrassed um, or, or uh, because they're not quite getting something or 
Um, they don't quite understand something. But again, as Tom mentioned, you, I mean, it's, it's really important that that you um, get the right support and help. And if again, if you're not feeling that you're getting support, speak to someone about it. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think that, I mean, that's, that's pretty much going to go for your first, mm. depending on the specialty, three months maybe, um, working in that sort of, they would call it like a supernumerary period or a supervisory period. Um, and then they might, in my experience, more often than not, they'll sort of drip feed more responsibilities and, um, you know, longer shifts or, you know, different kind of cover as you gain more experience and more time. I mean, with a lot of international doctors, you know, for yourself, you've been selected for this job because they've cleared you clinically. They're happy that you can do the job, you can see the patients and you can treat them and you can do the clinical duties that are expected of you. Most of the time, the hardest thing to adapt to is just the way of life, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. And secondly, is the NHS system. So the healthcare system, how you refer to different specialists, how you would treat patients going through different treatment pathways and that and the IT systems as well. Those are the things that you kind of need time to bed in and and get to grips with. Yeah. And also in that that kind of first week as well, there, there will be an expectation that you will have other things outside of the hospital to do. Um, and so again, as long as that's clearly communicated with your your departmental manager, um, they they will be pretty relaxed about about things as well. Um, they understand that. I mean, you, you might have to rush off to a bank appointment or something like that. So don't feel under undue pressure um, to to try and fit these things in a weekend, for example. Um, there's a bit of flexibility certainly in that first week. Yeah, for the for the work that you've done to get to that stage, they've also done work to get you there, and it's in their interest that you you know, you have a good experience with them and that you settle in quickly and that you, you know, you're able to take on the, the work that you that you need and want to. So as as Ryan's just said, don't don't be bashful, don't be ashamed about it. If you need help, ask. Certainly I'll be asking as many questions as you can. I know that the feedback I get from a lot of IMGs is that that, that first week of clinical practice is a couple of weeks can be very overwhelming Mm -hmm. there might be an assumption that you know how to do particular things or that you know bits of information yeah and if you don't you must ask again if they're making an assumption of knowledge Mm. just just let them know that you need a little bit more time or a little bit more information they're not going to hold against you i think a really good tip as well is is get to know as many people within the department as possible. I think nurses are a great source of, of help for IMGs when they first start. Yeah, definitely. Um, so again, get them on site and, and hopefully that will kind of make things slightly easier. Yeah, no, I mean, nurses, service managers are a really great report as well. I mean, I think in terms of settling for you as well, culturally, I know that most NHS hospitals have got a pretty good spread of international um you know, doctors or medical workers already, whether that's nurses or AHPs or BMSs, biomedical scientists or, or whatever it might be. I know that in some hospitals they might have, for example, there's a hospital in Surrey that have a a cricket team. And so when some of the Indian doctors yeah. arrive, if they like cricket or they've played cricket, mm. they can bring them into that fold and, and help them feel more at home and, yeah. and get more comfortable. And it's a good way to meet your colleagues and outside of work. Absolutely. And if you're also joining, um, and again, I'll use the example quite recently where I, th- I think we had six or seven doctors um, all start roughly on the same day. But what we did, we, we managed to introduce them all prior to them actually starting. So they had created a little doctor's WhatsApp group and, and obviously giving themselves support throughout the, 
those kind of first first few weeks was really really important getting to know people that were in the exact same situation as you I think that's really important yeah sometimes coming from the same countries yeah. and the same backgrounds as well uh, I think you know if your family's coming with you it, it helps to have another family that's got the same background that mm. you know has, has done the same the same move and got the same journey so look for as much support as you can we obviously provide our, our candidates as much support as we can give them um, but the hospital again mm. unless you ask for it they might not know that you're struggling or that you, you've got problems or, or what not so be, be honest about that it won't be held against you as yeah uh, I mean the, the kind of first month in the hospital should really just be a kind of cont- a continuation of the the first week's all about learning finding your bearings getting um, getting confident more and more confident in, in the role itself um, and again, hopefully by the, the end of the, that first month, you're going to feel a lot more settled. Mm-hmm. You're probably taking care of a lot of the um, the issues outside of work, um, which you know, is great. So you can fully concentrate on the, the job at hand. Um, but yeah, I think that after the first month, you should get a really good feel of um, the department, the hospital. Um, and again, it's just that thing. If if there's anything that you're not happy with, and this that's the, that's the time to 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 raise it. Really, don't let it go on and on and on. Um, bring bring any issues up within that first month. And it, and it, again, even if that's down to if the the job's been missold to you, I guess by. I mean, if you've had a really good conversation with a department um, um, at the interview stage, uh, and you've been promised certain things, and that's not happening, bring it up really quickly. Yeah, make, make them aware of it. Let, and I think that's important. Don't don't just sort of have a reaction and go, well, I'm not getting what I wanted mm. and so I'm leaving or whatnot. Give them a, I think it's really important to give them an opportunity to fix it. You know, pe- people are human. Yeah. Departments obviously they're are just under, busy as well. And yeah, I think they're that's, busy under yeah. pressure. Mm. They, 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 you know, they can't get everything right all the time, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, some useful tips, I guess, for starting a new position. Um, obviously, doctors work really long, stressful hours. Um, Is that a tip? <laughs> yeah, to work more hours. Yeah. <laughs> become more stressed. Um, but just make sure you don't burn out. Um, I mean, again, you get quite a generous annual leave uh, allowance in the NHS. Make sure you, you obviously book that well in advance, but utilise it, definitely. Um, I guess you, you've got to look after your, your mental health and, and also your body as well. It's, it's obviously a really, really tough job. Um, another kind of tip, work efficiently when on the ward as it will save you time and prevent stress. Uh, so before the, um, the ward round uh, starts, try and be really organised, uh, have easy access to relevant numbers, notes and forms and, and just try and establish your routine is really important, I think. Yeah, be be organised in what you're going to do. And that, I guess, again, that sort of ties into what we just spoke about in terms of meeting your colleagues and mm-hmm. making sure that you're friendly with them. Sometimes there's a cultural adjustment that needs to take yeah. place. Um, but, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing what a smile can, <laughs> can do for you and, and just being friendly and, and getting as many people around you that will support you as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I know we, we've kind of mentioned this prior, it, it, probably the biggest tip that we can give NMD who's starting within the NHS. If you're unsure, just ask. Ask for help. Ask for support. Um, it, people are really welcoming of IMGs. Hospitals know what a really important job that those doctors do. Um, and, and I'm really grateful for uh, for those doctors that have come to, to help within the NHS. They don't want to lose doctors. They, they want to really help them integrate into um, both the society and the hospital setting as well. Yeah, it shows interest as well yeah. to, to ask questions. It shows that you're, 
you know you're interested in the job and that you want to be there and and that in itself can be a, a really beneficial in terms of getting your your seniors or your mm. your peers to to want to help you and to to get on side so yeah i mean ask questions ask mm. questions ask questions ask questions that's that's the biggest one for me yeah i've got a question what's your question is this the end of the podcast it's certainly getting there yeah <laughs> would you like some help to end it yes please <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for answering my questions. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Cheers. Bye.